glad you're here this morning. Go ahead and ask you to turn your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, as you're doing that, I, I was reminded of a, of a story that I heard some time ago about a pastor who was uh, uh, out back uh, shaking hands after one of the sermons, and, and a little boy comes up to him to shake his hand, and, and uh, he said, well, son, what'd you think about that sermon there? And the little boy said, oh, pastor, he said, I think that you must be smarter than Albert Einstein. And so the, the preacher said, well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but why do you think, why would you say that I am as smart as or even smarter than Einstein? He said, well, he says, preacher, people told me that Albert Einstein was so smart that only 10 or 15 people in the whole world could understand anything he said. But preacher, no one understands anything that you say. <laughs> it, and so my hope and prayer here this morning is that uh, the Holy Spirit of God would, uh, would, would come and interact with us this morning and bring us understanding from the heart of God as we divide the word together. As we're back in Ephesians 5, we're going to read verses 18 through 21 and take a little time to look at what Paul says it means to be filled with the Spirit. So if you would join me in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 18. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of of Christ. Father, we pray this morning that you would give us a glimpse of what it means to be spirit-filled believers. God, help us to understand what it is that you are calling us to do and who you are calling us to be. Father, we pray in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, in order for us to really get the full context of picking up right here in verse 18, it's very important for us to understand what has been said in the first 17 verses of Ephesians 5. And so, so let me just remind you, we'll put some of them on the board. You may not be able to read them, but I will read them to you. Verse 2 says, uh, we are to walk in love. Remember, this is where we are in Ephesians 5. From the, from the get-go, we're told to be imitators of Christ. And we are to told to walk in love. In love, verses three through five, we're reminded of uh, of the importance and how important it is for believers to obey the commands of God in our everyday lives, particularly our social lives, our family lives, our home lives. We're reminded that this believers were called to live committed to obey Christ. Verses six through fourteen, it describes for us what it means to walk in the light. We're told to walk as children of the light. Verse 15, Paul says, so pay attention. Therefore, in light of these sayings, because of this, pay attention to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. And then verse 16, he says, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is is. He begins to describe that a little bit more there in, in, uh, in verse 17. And here we come to verse 18. 
And on top of all of those things, he says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, a lot of times people will, will, will come into this passage and they'll focus on that, don't get drunk with wine. And of course we know that we are not to be drunk with wine. And, but I want to dive into the reason why, because Paul tells us the reason. He's, he's giving us a contrast. He's, well, after he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There is a contrast. Again, he says, so let me paint this picture for you. That means if you're going to be in the will of God, if you're going to live wise, if you're going to walk in the light, if you're not going to be foolish, that means instead of going out and getting drunk and being crazy, you should in instead pursue the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the reason why we're not to, to, to go out and, and to do those things, to be intoxicated, and really I would say that this really does not even just go to, um, to wine and to alcohol. We are not to, to let anything intoxicate us to the point of influencing who we are and, uh, and, 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 and how we make our decisions. Those decisions and our personhood, the foundation of who we are is to be in the Spirit of God. Is, to, is, is The foundation is Christ the solid rock. That is the foundation that we are to stand on. And he says... Why don't go out and be intoxicated? Because it leads to reckless actions. And just to be clear, just so that we can kind of, sometimes we get lost in semantics, but just so you understand, in the biblical definition of the word reckless is bad, okay? It's not good. It, it, when you're reckless, the biblical definition of reckless is, uh, is, is foolish or stupid behavior that it's a careless action that leads to negative consequences okay so this reckless behavior that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 5 goes against what we have already heard it, 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 it's, it's not what it means to be an imitator of God it's not what you do when you're living in obedience to God it's not it's not how you walk if you want to walk as children of the light it's not walking in Wisdom. It's not making the most of your time. In fact, that term, as you dig into it in the Greek, it really means you're wasting your time. It's foolish living. It's a path that leads you away from the will of God. So Paul is telling them, he's saying, don't allow yourselves to be controlled by the intoxication of anything other than that of the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This is a command from God. But you know what's, what's awesome about this? One thing I think that sometimes we overlook, that command is not just for preachers. And that command is not just for Sunday school teachers. It's not just for deacons. But that command is for all believers. That is who we are commanded to be as disciples of Jesus Christ. So the question is, what does that look like? And so... There are a lot of things that we could say about this passage here this morning. But just to condense for us so that we can move on to worship God through the Lord's Supper, I want to pull out two major themes. Everything just kind of condenses this passage. What does it look like to walk in the Spirit, to be filled by the Spirit of God, really comes in two main 
forms. And the first thing I want you to see here is that walking in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit means that you're going to share in the ministry of the church. You share in the ministry of the church because look what he says. He describes to them what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. He says, hey, instead of going outside and pursuing intoxication from outside sources from from, from alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be for you, instead of pursuing that kind of intoxication that leads you to do crazy things and leads you away from the will of God, instead, what you need to do is you need to fill your time with the good things of God. You need to be involved in the ministry of the church. You know, anytime you go, if you go and ever sit down and talk to somebody and say, hey, I struggle with this habit or that habit and I need to change this, I need to change that, you know, especially if it's something that you need to stop doing. One of the things they're going to tell you to do is, is to take that time and fill it with good things. And this is one of the things that Paul is doing. He says, don't waste your time with that stuff. Pursue the stuff that matters. Look, see what he says to him. He says, speaking to one another, to the other believers, Speaking to them in psalms. That's the first word he uses. Now, the word psalmos in the Greek uh, literally means, it, it means like a musical song. A song that would be sung to melody and typically uh, instrumentation would be used. Okay, That is, that is the, the picture that he is giving. He's saying, you speak to one another in song. You need to worship God together. Now, he's going to describe that a little more as he goes on, but I don't want us to miss something here because this Greek word, psalmos, kind of has a double meaning because when he says, when he says to be filled with the Spirit as you sing with one another or sing psalms to one another... He, they would have heard that word psalm, that word psalmos. They would have heard the same word that you hear. You think of the book of Psalms, which, if you did not know, is a book of worship songs. These are songs that were used, the book of Psalms, 119, uh, Psalm 119, sorry, there's more than that, but Psalm 119, the longest chapter in, uh, the, uh, in, the, in the whole Bible, but the book of Psalms, the, the, the longest book in the Bible, is a book of worship songs. And so they wouldn't just come and just, just straight read them, but they would even sing them. That's how they were written. And so when Paul says, hey, hey, when you speak to each other, speak to each other in Psalms, they would have understood. One thing they would have heard also is they would have thought about the book of Psalms, which is Scripture. One of the things he's telling them is he tells them to worship together is to uh, is for them to quote scripture to one another, okay? Because because when you're when you're quoting the book of Psalms, you're quoting scripture. That's part of our our ministry as a church. That's part of who we are called to be as a church to proclaim and celebrate the word of God as we learn scripture and we quote scripture, we study scripture, we memorize scripture. These are things that we do as disciples of Christ. We seek to proclaim the word of God. And if, if you're going to um, proclaim the word of God publicly, that means that you need to be in the word of God privately as well. If you're going to proclaim the word of God publicly, then you need to be sure that you are in the word of God privately. 
how can you speak to one another about Scripture that you've never read? And that is part of what Paul is saying. Hey, you want to know what God's will is for you? Hey, you want to see God work in your life? You need to get involved in the ministry of the church, and you need to be in the Word of God. He says for them to speak to one another with psalms, but then he uses a couple other terms. He talks about hymns and spiritual songs. You know, a hymn is, a, is really any song that is about God and His glory. Now, we typically think of a hymn... See, we've kind of got in the mindset of Good Southern Baptists over the years of thinking a hymn is, is the, those songs that are in that hymn book. Uh, but that hymn book is a collection of hymns. It is not, it is not a complete collection. It's just, a, it's just a sampling of the hymns that are out there. Many of them are hymns that we have sang traditionally over the years. Praise God, he's still speaking to the heart of man and he is still leading uh, and inspiring people to write hymns today. We sang a, a recent hymn with the Holy Spirit, You're Welcome Here. That's a hymn of, of faith. It's a song about God, but also he says spiritual songs. And, and specifically, that spiritual song it is specifically about spirit-filled songs. You know, as we sang that Holy Spirit song, you're welcome here, come fill this place. We are focusing our attention on the Holy Spirit of God. And we're saying, God, you know, I'm, I'm here to hear from you. Please speak to me through the preaching, through the worship, and through your word today. I, my heart, is, my heart is, is ready to hear. And so we see that, again, that's part of the ministry of the church. Now, now you can you don't have to be here to worship. Praise God, He's everywhere, so you can worship Him everywhere. But Paul tells them to do this together, and so there is a calling in the life of believers to come together at different points to speak the Word of God into each other's lives and to proclaim it and to learn it and to study it together, but also. For us to come together and to unite as a body, as a corporate group of believers and say, God, you are awesome and we are here to worship you. And so we see this, uh, this, this command. And then he goes on to explain that a little bit more. He says, he says, praise God together. And then he explains it a little more. He says, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Now, this is one of those passages that, uh, that, that sometimes is controversial depending on who you talk to. Uh, some have tried to make this verse into something that I, I don't believe that it is. There are people who I love and respect and know, even family members of my own who would read that verse and they would say, you see this verse right here? This is an open rebuke from God to the church and, and, and it says, make music with your heart, not make music with a guitar or piano. And so they'll say, so this, this says that you should never, ever use music in a worship service. They even go so far, some to believe that it would be a sin to gather as a body of believers to worship God and for any sort of musical instrument to be involved in that. And again, many people that I love and respect that have that take, but I do not believe that that's what this says, because if you look at this passage 
you see what is the focus? The focus is on the heart. And so Paul's not prohibiting the presence of or the use of musical instruments in worship in this passage. He is, he is prohibiting the absence of and or the misuse of the heart in worship. See, the point here is not, you sh he doesn't say don't ever use instruments, which would have been a tremendous change from the Old Testament uh, traditions and everything God has said up until this point. But he says, you better be sure when you worship together, you need to be, do, make sure you're worshiping from your heart. Because the truth is, you could show up at a church service and go through all the motions and sing the songs and do the stuff. And your heart could be far from God. On the outside, you might fool everybody. But God knows where your heart is. And so Paul says, you need to be involved in the ministry of the church. Share in what God is doing. Gather with other believers and worship together. See, this goes, also goes right along with something Jesus has already said in Matthew 5. If you start about halfway through verse 6, going to verse 9, what you see is that... Um, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for their religiousness, but not their authentic connection with God from their heart. He says, he says, in this way you have revoked God's word because of your tradition. He says, you're hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, and then Jesus goes and he quotes Isaiah 29, who said this exact thing. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is... Far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines and the commands of men. So you can come to church and do the stuff and completely miss the heart of God. And, and, and if that happens, not only are you you're, you're missing out on uh, on something that God is saying to you, but you have also missed the point of coming to worship because if your heart is not in it you're not worshiping now i'll pause there and, and and always give this sort of a side when we talk about seeking god authentically because some people uh today will say well you know um man my heart's just not in it. i'm just not going to go to church today okay and that's not what we're saying okay we're saying yes come and be involved but, but try to make sure that when you come and when you're involved, make sure that your heart is in it so that you can hear from the, the voice of God so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God as we come together. And Paul's saying, hey, all you believers, you want to be led by God? Be filled by my spirit. By sharing in the ministry of the local church, worship God together. And here's the second thing. Surrender to the Lordship of God. Christ. Surrender to the Lordship of Christ. So he says, verse 21, after he says, give thanks to God, which also is another, another sort of ministry of the church that we are to do corporately and we are to do privately as well. So we'd be thankful to God. But then he goes on, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Here again, right here, Paul refers to the ministry of the church when he when he tells the believers at Ephesus to submit to one another. And the thing that we need to understand is that when you submit to one another, you're, you're putting someone else's needs 
and requests and, and, uh, and uh, what's best for them above your own. You know, submitting to someone doesn't mean that, that you are less than they are, that you believe that you, you are less than they are. It just means that you are a willing participant in, uh, in, in what God has called you to do. You're a team player. You're a team player. Sometimes, for example, when we have things like Disciple Now Weekend or VBS, we have to change the way that the stage looks. And, 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 and everybody here has been so great about that. And I know that some of you come in and you're like, man, I just wish it would look like it normally looks this particular week. But we're a team player because we understand that that is the ministry of God and God is working and using that to impact lives. And so we're kind of saying, okay, the, the, the success of this particular ministry and what God wants to do at this particular time is, is, is more important and is a bigger deal than, you know, than, than me coming in and seeing things the way that I'm used to them being. And so that's an example of how we submit to one another, but then we'll, we'll talk in, in coming days about some more about what that means in relationship to our family lives and other things, but we see that we're to submit to one another. We're meeting the needs of the church when we, do, when we, when we do that. When we are submitting to one another, we're ministering to one another. We, as we gather to learn the Word of God, we gather to proclaim the Word of God, we gather together to authentically from our heart worship the heart of God that we are fulfilling part of the call of God upon our life. So he says, be sure, you know, you're involved in the church and part of that's going to be submitting to one another. But then he gives us a little clue at the end of why do we do this? Why do we gather in worship? Why do we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Why do we do that? Why do we submit to one another? Why are we always being sure to give thanks and glory to God for all that he has done? It's out of the fear of Christ. He says, submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Why do we do that? Because it's part of submitting and surrendering to the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Now, a lot of times, you hear the word fear. You kind of, we have this, our society has been trained when we hear the word fear to, to, uh, to, to, to think about somebody maybe abusing us or harming us. And, 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 and the word here, actually the Greek word is phobos, which really is the, where we get the, the English word phobia, you know. Somebody has a phobia, they're afraid of something. And so, but what here, what we're to be afraid of here is not that God is up in heaven just watching and waiting for you to mess up so he can just pop you one, right? A lot of people think about God in heaven as like this Greek uh, mythological character, Zeus, with a lightning bolt in As soon as you just do the wrong thing, zappo, he's going to get you. But that's not, that's not the character of God at all. In fact, as we see scripture and we, we read even in Ephesians, God is presented as a just God. He's presented as a loving God, but he is also presented as a father God. He wants what is best for you. He created you for a reason. He died on the cross for your sins so that you could be saved. But when he saved you, he saved you with a purpose and he has he has, a, he has something for you in this life. If you are drawing breath at this moment, God has a purpose and a plan for you right now. 
He saved you for a purpose. In order to, to understand that and to know that, you have to surrender to the lordship, to the leadership of Christ. You know, it's, it's amazing if you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, scripture tells us that all of our sins have been forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for your sins. And so when you come to Christ and you come to, to God through faith in Christ, all of the, the debt, what we owe, the spiritual consequences of those sins, past, present, and future, are wiped away. It's an amazing thing. No longer do you have to, to pay for your own failures, your own sin, because Jesus died on the cross for those sins. And so as a believer, you, you don't have to worry about whether or not God is going to forgive you. You don't have to worry about, I guess, messing up as much as you need to worry about missing out. And when I say missing out, I'm not necessarily talking about the things of heaven, but I do think, you know, there are, as believers in Jesus Christ, we struggle. We struggle between that old nature and that new nature. Paul talks about that in chapter 4. We talked about putting in on that new man and not that old man. And, and, and we struggle with that. And if we're not careful, we can let our, let our eyes gaze upon the things of the old man and not the spiritual things of the new man in Christ, the new person in Christ. And so Paul says you need to be filled with the Spirit. A lot of times people will say, hey, you know what I need? I just need some more of that Holy Spirit. I got me a little bit of Holy Spirit a couple years ago, but boy, you know, I just need me a little bit more Holy Spirit. Well, you know, I think I know what people mean when they say that, but do you know that's really not all that together theologically correct? Because theologically, Scripture teaches us that if you come to Christ, if you've, if you've come to faith in Christ, that God seals that deal by giving to you the Holy Spirit of God to come and live in your heart. And so... I do not have any more Holy Spirit inside of my heart today than I did when I was in high school and I prayed to receive Christ by my bed. The Holy Spirit is just as much inside of me today. And if you've prayed to receive Christ, he's just as much inside of you today. But he's dwelling in you. But when Paul says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's talking about focusing and putting your eyes, setting your things upon the things of God, the high things of God. You need to, to get your minds ready for action, 1 Peter 1 says. And that's it's the idea that, 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 we're, that we're pursuing the things of God in our lives. And as we do, it's that Holy Spirit of God inside of us that speaks as we pursue those things. It's the Holy Spirit of God that brings us that peace when we're going through difficult days. It's the Holy Spirit of God that brings us joy when people say I, I don't know how you could even crack a, a smile or how you cannot be devastated at this or that it's the Holy Spirit of God that gives us the strength to go through those difficult days it's the Holy Spirit of God that gives us direction and, and serves as the light to our path and as we're children of light we're walking in the light we pursue the light of God as we pursue the Holy Spirit of God being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily choice. And that's why, that's why Jesus said, whoever follows me must take up his cross daily, because it's a daily decision to die to self and to be obedient to the plan of God. But it all starts. It all starts with that, that first real faith encounter with 
Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul told us how we could be saved. He, he said in Ephesians 2 that you're saved by faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Something God wants to give to you. It's not by works. You can't earn it or deserve it. It's, uh, it, it's uh, not by works so that no one can boast. He, he, he describes this a little bit to the Romans a little bit more clearly when he said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, there's the heart aspect again, then it says that you can be saved. This, it's not about just saying certain words, but it's about whether or not we've really trusted in Christ deep within our heart. And that's what worship is about. Worship is not about, oh, I'm singing the words of the song. I'm participating out front publicly. Worship is really about what's going on inside privately between you and the Lord. Have you ever come to a point where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever, ever confessed Him with your mouth because you believe in your heart? If you've not, then you have the opportunity this morning to do that. We'd love nothing more than to talk with you about that. Before we move into the Lord's Supper, we're going to take some time to make sure our hearts are right before God. If you need to come and pray, uh, you can do that. If you need to, uh, if you need to come talk to me, I, I will be down here and I would love to talk to you. If you, whatever it is that, that God may put on your heart, just know that you can do that. You can pray right where you are when we get started. If, uh, if, if God has, has, has led you in some way, whatever it is that God tells you to do, you can do it. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, I want us all to stand up. As soon as I get done praying, we're going to all stand up. And then the music to a play, there's not going to be any words. And, and just right where you are, where you spend time with God, if he moves you, if he leads you to move to do something, then that's okay too. We just want to get our hearts right as we move into this time of worship. So let's pray.